Hey, it's Matt. How you doing? You listen to the latest episode of the Looking Sideways Action Sports Podcast. How's it going? Thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy this conversation, which is drum roll, my first ever conversation with a BMXer, which has been a long time coming. Firstly, because I know there's a big BMX contingent listening to the show. And secondly, because I always get a lot of requests for guests in the BMX world. So I'm aware that people out there are interested in this. And yeah, so I thought I'd hook it up. It was always my intention to go there. It's just taken a while to set this one up. Because I first contacted this week's guest, Baz Keep, last year. Probably about a year ago, actually. Just took us until mid-February 2019 to get our ducks in a row and make it happen. So yeah, Baz, who lives in Hastings, came over to Brighton for the day and we uh, sat down, press record, did this conversation. Now, if you're not familiar with Baz Keep, some context first. He's one of the UK's finest and has definitely had one of the most interesting and varied BMX careers. He came up through the super strong Hastings scene, was something of a child prodigy actually, appearing in the old backyard videos, backflipping when he was 11, and then steadily progressing through the UK and then the wider BMX ranks. And throughout that time, Baz, as you're going to hear, has always managed to carve his own route. He's obviously piloted his own huge projects like Walls. He's ridden in major comps. He's had long associations with Red Bull. But he's managed to sort of plot this path that has seen him flirt with the mainstream while remaining cherished by the core, really. And today he's continuing to do so through his own grassroots brand, Tall Order, and his wildly successful YouTube series, which sees him prolifically bang out content to a really engaged and growing audience. Somehow he manages to balance all this with the demands of fatherhood and still rides, obviously, at a ridiculously high level. And that's the thing about Baz, as you're going to hear, he clearly likes to keep busy. And what's behind this drive is something I find fascinating and is um, a big part of what we discussed during our conversation. I mean, from my own experience, people who voluntarily juggle so many projects successfully, entirely self-motivated, are always driven by something. And I speak as somebody who's guilty of this very same trait. Um, With Baz, as he discusses, the root of it is promoting BMX positively, spreading the gospel far and wide. He's a big believer in making the culture of BMX as accessible as possible. And if you ask me, it's something he's done brilliantly. It's also tied to his own role in all this. He's a thinker, Baz, and it's clear that throughout his career, he's given great thought about how to remain relevant, which makes him something of an anomaly among athletes, if you ask me, and helps to explain how he's managed to stay so relevant. This talent for reinvention is really key if you can sustain any kind of career as an athlete. Well, any kind of career, actually. And I found it really interesting to hear how carefully he's thought about this and how hard he's worked at it. And that's the final thing that comes across, work. Baz, as becomes clear, is driven by some kind of ferocious work ethic. And that territory in which work is linked to self-esteem is something I've always been really interested in. Like, where does it come from? How healthy is it? I mean, it's one thing liking to keep busy, but, you know, when it's this sustained and across this many fronts, I always think there's something a little bit deeper going on. So, yeah, that's what we had a chat about. So, yeah, a really in-depth conversation, this one, a lot of layers to it. Say it quite often, the best looking sideways conversations are definitely the ones that take on a life of their own and just become, well, a good conversation really. And this one definitely falls into that camp. All right, that's enough from me. I'll see you at the end. In the meantime, here's me and Baz Keep, tall order. Enjoy. And with Baz Keep, we just took care of the little bit of work we had to do. That's done. How are you doing? I'm great. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's all right, man. Thanks for doing it. How's things with you? How's the sleep? Sleep's not too bad. Um, yeah, recently had a baby boy. 
and yeah the first six months are it's a de- it's a definite transition into having a lot less sleep than i'm used to <laughs> yeah how are you finding that um it's difficult really difficult it's hard to wake up in the morning and 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 then be motivated to go into work and 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 have energy when you don't have energy yeah well it's not like you're not busy either you've got quite a few things going on as well so have you have you found balancing all that have you had to change it up yeah i mean for me i i feel like i rely on motivation as the sole sort of driving force in my life like and if i'm not motivated it feels like it's a it's a big problem and so yeah when you get less sleep you wake up and you're not as motivated and i need to be like i need to have that fire inside where i'm like right let's go out and make this happen you know where do you get that from then i really find that exercise gives me motivation um yeah because you run don't you and you do a bit of swimming and all that stuff and yeah I, I i really find that the the more the more i'm uh conscious of my health and the more f- the more I'm like run if I go for a run in the morning yeah I'm, motiv- I'm motivated for the day then, yeah you know have you always is that something you've always noticed because I'm really similar but with me it came as I got older basically I kind of realized I actually realized what I needed was routine in a way you know like if I ticked a few boxes like you're saying and mentally as well go for a run whatever it is do some exercise if I do that regularly, then yeah, I can kind of create a mood where I'm motivated and I can do the things that I want to do. Was that something that sort of you always had, or did it did it develop? Yeah, I think I think I grew up being very active. You know, been, I played football when I was young. I rode my bike throughout my whole life, and then as you start to ride a little bit less, but you need to be motivated to to grow your business, or you know yeah so that's when i found that's how i discovered running and, and running's great as you can just you can get up first thing in the morning get out and just and then and the ideas that flow through your brain when you're when you're running is just it's incredible and it's addictive and uh yeah i, I really i really enjoy it do you, do you race as well or anything like that have you done like you know if you got into that side of it or is it just more a, just for yourself yeah i'm not particularly fast at all I've, yeah i've done a few runs and and I'm just not, I'm not very fast. I, I, I can't run very far. I, I sort of max out around 10 miles. So so now when I run, I usually run two or three miles in the morning and that sets me up for the day and that's enough for me, you know? Yeah. So how much time are you finding for riding then with the business, you know, filming, being a new dad? It's a lot to balance, isn't it? Yeah, at the moment it's less than ever than it ever has been. So it's difficult. But because that's largely due to the baby and wanting to be with him every second, it's it's hard to leave the room, let alone leave the country when you when, yeah, right. when, when you have a baby. I'm I'm absolutely obsessed with him at the moment. I'm smitten, so it's like um, I would like to be close to him. A yeah, yes, yeah, so you picking those those, yeah. those opportunities or trips where you might go away, for, make them count basically yeah i mean i I, i'm still gonna go away i have lots of plans this year to go away but yeah i like to spend as the as least amount of time away from him as possible yeah Yeah. and how's tall order going looks like it's going pretty well from the outside yeah it's going good it's good fun that's the main thing i just enjoy doing it it's something that um i started a couple of years ago and really really good fun it's like it's like how riding was for me when i was when i first started it was just so enjoyable 
Is that the motivation then? That kind of project? Because you, you look like somebody that, that likes a project, you know, likes to take on a big task, whether it's, you know, something like walls or, you know, you've always <laughs> done these big things with Red Bull. And this is a big project, you know, to sort of say, right, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, you know, was that part of the appeal? Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things that you, you, in your head, you're like, I, I, I really think I can do this. I, I, I know it's going to be a big challenge, but I think if I face it every day and make those small incremental changes every day and then, it, yeah, I don't know. It's just something that, yeah, you're right. I did, I did really want to just face a big challenge and you were and, relishing it. Yeah, I was relishing it, and then it seemed like it came at a good point in your career though as well, though, because you know you've, you've done a lot now, haven't you? You know, you've been a been a team manager, you've been a you know professional rider, you, you've you've worked in the industry, you've made films, you've got this like massive kind of overview of the industry almost. Was it was it a good point where you? sounds like you were almost like yeah actually i've learned a lot here and i can put this into this project and and kind of do it the way that i want to do yeah yeah it's totally that you feel like you've learned so much and that you really want to just apply it to something and for the longest time i really thought that after i was done riding i would go off and work for red bull or yeah vans or something like that a bit of a traditional path that, yeah and then i started to see that you know, actually manager or something yeah or. but then actually i started to realize that you can have full control if you do your own thing yeah and so that that was really exciting for me and i and i saw how a lot of other bike companies were doing it and i really wanted to go down my own path a little bit and do things my own way and you know lots of people don't agree with the way you're doing things and that's what's so exciting because you get to you just get to do it your way and if it works it, it's great and, and if it doesn't then ultimately you're to blame <laughs> well that yeah it's been a bit of a hallmark of your career though hasn't it you know you've always seemingly from the outside done done things your own way you know you've you've plotted a a very particular you know your own path through the industry over the years you've kind of managed to do the red bull projects you know you've you know you what you might say call bmx rider like you you know you've you've managed to do each of those things like walk a quite a tight line at points you know it seems to have been a bit of a hallmark is that is that kind of fair to say you know you just we always felt like you need to plow your own path sort of thing yeah and i think i think that it, things are constantly changing aren't they and it's how you adapt um, and ultimately the, the goal is to stay in the game and you just enjoy it and you're loving it so much that you seek out ways in which you can stay in the game and it's a, you survive, you know? Yeah, well, it's a big part of it. I mean, yeah. it's a massive part of it. I, I think a lot of people that start out as athletes don't really get that. I think I think they, from, from what I've seen, I think, you know, when you're an athlete, especially in your 20s, it's a good job. It's a really good job in it you know and you get a lot of attention you get a lot of opportunities but obviously it's got a shelf life and i think the earlier you kind of realize that the earlier what it's about actually is thinking of different paths and ideas yeah th the better but it's, it seems to be it seems to come quite easy to you but not often you know sometimes people don't really make that realization yeah i think there's a there's a balance and i i, I probably did spend a bit too much of my time in my early 20s worrying about the end you know when i should have just been living in the moment and really enjoying it seems young as well that to me 
Yeah, but every every year, every January when the contracts were up, I would be like, "This You'd is be it. Stressing. This is it. Like, really? I'm probably gonna have to like think about something else." And I, what was the fear? You like, I'm gonna have to go and get a job. Yeah, I would always be like, "Well, well, I'm gonna have to." But uh, but at the same time, I was very sort of positive about it. I, I would always be like, "Well, at least I got three years of 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 no work." You know, well, whilst my friends are going to work every day, nine to five, I. I've done like I'd always be counting the years. I'd be like, I've done three years now of no work, you know, like right. I've just been traveling. So yeah, yeah. So I, I I always really appreciated it, and and I think yeah. So I think there's a balance. You have to you have to enjoy the moment, but at the same time, I did always fear the end. So I did always try and um, adapt and change to the changing environment so that I could stay in a job. You know. Yeah. So how did you break that little cycle that you were describing of of, of stressing about it rather than enjoying it what was it that kind of pushed you through that because that's the moment when you do get it by the sounds of it when you're like actually you know this is what i need to do what was it that i still haven't broken it to be honest <laughs> with you what you're still thinking it yeah i still i still when's it gonna end yeah you do you do when the dream's gonna end and i do it with with red boy the vans i do it with tall order and and i don't take it for granted and that's why i try and i try and do my job you know and i i try and try and continue my relationship with my sponsors and with my company i I, tr I try and do things for them i mean i want to keep them happy you know and it's a two-way relationship so i often wonder if it's just being a freelancer as well to be honest because you, you know ultimately you are a freelancer yeah early 40s now i've been doing this what i do which is also freelance for like since i was 18 really and, and I, i've kind of beginning to someone like maybe it's just always like this you know what i mean maybe you just have to accept that because i'm the same you know i'm a bit like oh god what happens if this dries up and that dries up but maybe you just gotta accept it's the deal yeah and you do i, I do fantasize about the 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 life of not worrying about it where you see your friends that they go to work nine to five and they don't have to take their work home with them and and it's yeah it's a lot if it, it feels like there's a lot less worry for them but at the same time we know we could never do that no no exactly and you wouldn't trade it would you no basically so you mentioned that bmx well you said the game has changed you know but you, again you've had a long career you've twi 25 years you've been basically in it yeah i started riding when i was 11 years old and i'm 36 years old now so i've probably been been a pro rider since i was 20 so, so a long time and you got that long view you know you've seen how it's changed like your your game so what when you look at it now what what do you think the main changes are i mean there's so many changes um obviously a big one is you know you, as a rider you see brands coming in and in and out of the sport you see contests come and go um but yeah like we've all seen recently that magazines have disappeared yeah um big thing media's changed massively and just happened in the states as well actually didn't it all the mags went yep. under and then if you want to stay doing what you love you have to adapt and uh you know you can you can sit and moan about it or you can adapt and get on with it and and be positive and and appreciate the change or yeah you you go and you go and do something else for a living how easy does that come to the bmx world because obviously it's pretty underground scene, you know, in a lot of ways. Do you think 
people find it easy to adapt in that way for example you've got something like you know the olympics on the horizon which is like a massive thing i'm not asking you to comment on the olympics but i'm more mean does it come naturally or do people find it hard to cope with the way that it's changing and 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 bmx's kind of place in the world if you like these days you try and tell the story bmx in a lot of ways don't you You that's what tall order is about that's what youtube stuff's about you try to tell that authentic thing of what it is you know is that getting harder yeah i i I really feel like my job has always been to promote bmx exactly that's what i mean and and that's what you've always done yeah I, i feel like it's to tell people that this is fun and it's positive and and that they're welcome because I think in many ways, in, in many ways, some people would see BMX from the outside and think that they're not welcome, you know. And I don't like that. I like to say, "Come on, come on in!" Like, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's fun and it's for everyone. Yeah. And we're not a bunch of kids with a, with hoodies up that are aggressive. And we're saying, like, I like to tell people that they can have a go, you know. And and yeah, that's how that's how I um, make my my content on my YouTube channel. Is I try and try and tell everyone that they're welcome and that it's accessible and it's fun and it doesn't matter you don't have to be you don't have to be a pro rider to enjoy this you can come and have a go and carve around a bowl and and it's not about who's the best and who's who's not it's that's that's another thing that i sort of dislike about bmx is if you think about a lot of the companies their marketing methods are to sponsor you know, 10 of the best riders they can possibly find. And these riders are all incredible what they do. Yeah. And then they'll go out and they'll make, make a video showcasing the, how incredible these 10 riders are. But for a lot of people that see that content, they they think, God, I don't know if that's for me. <laughs> Look at what he's doing down yeah. the handrail. Is that, like how, like it's just scary. I, I, I think a lot of people are like, that's not for me. I don't want to scare myself to death. Yeah, so you've tried to sort of not, like approach it in a different way basically yeah i mean you yeah if, if if that's for you scaring yourself to death we're saying you can do that too but you can also come and just hang out at the park yeah. and 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 learn a few basic tricks or just carve around the bowl or, or just catch a bit of air like you're still cool you can still get a bmx and ride and it's still fun and i think bmx as a whole if we want if we want to all stay in jobs longer we should be more inclusive inclusive and, and 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 try and open up and open up our marketing and to to tell older guys as well as younger guys that they can come ride yeah action sports in general have a bit of a funny relationship with that don't they because the promise of it you know the original thing is like we're not like football we're not you know we're not competitive we're not this we're not that but there is a big element of that isn't there you know that that can if you're not careful creep in and start taking over in a way really yeah. and it's noticeable that with your stuff on on youtube and you kind of mentioned it earlier you're very much not about that right you're very much about anybody could watch this really you know you try to do that by the looks of it is that is that fair enough you know, yeah if you if you think about what happened with 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 videos um back in the day we'd all go out and make dvds and the only people that would see the dvds are people that were really involved in bmx they would go to a bike shop and buy the dvd and put it on the dvd but and watch it but something strange happened when the internet and youtube came around and i almost think when you look at someone like danny mccaskill he went out and he filmed a video part and then suddenly the whole world saw it yeah and it was like wow like suddenly it, it's not just 
just this just the core riders see and this suddenly the whole world can see it yeah so when you make content now and you put it on youtube you can aim at whoever you want you can aim it just at bike riders so if you do a put, put a montage of just hardcore tricks on there or you can talk to the wider audience and say and show show someone learning a trick and show how difficult that trick might be and show that them on a human level and that's what i like to do i like to to sh- show actual real people learning to ride a sport because people i find that most people can watch that so you started it the youtube stuff at the same time you started the company right and was that a conscious thing you thought you know what i'm just going to document all this i'm gonna had you done much content stuff before um i'd never actually filmed and edited my own videos but I was, you've obviously been in I, I know you've been in stuff but i mean yeah like to that degree where you're like you know what i'm just gonna do it myself like yeah I, I um years ago i said earlier that um i don't know if i said it in the podcast actually but my one of my best friends Stu dawkins he owns a big bike business and and uh he had a partnership with, with a friend of his ian morris and they they parted ways and so Stu was kind of like he needed help and and i was a good friend of him and i ended up helping him run or to help in the marketing of one of his brands federal bikes and it was a really exciting time for me to come in and help because it was it felt like i was like yeah it was it was exciting to to because i had riding as well i was riding as a pro but at the same time this was something to sort of use my head a bit and, and help out and and we started um uh, producing content and sponsoring riders and, and changing the, the the look of the company with the ads and so this is like your first kind of if you like in inverted commas industry job yeah, you know yeah you it stu- was yeah and um and so yeah we started putting content straight online as well and at the time we got a lot of, there was there was people in the industry were like what the hell are they doing spending right five to ten grand on a trip and putting it straight online yeah like you can't you can't do you that you can't do that like we're, <laughs> we're, we're making dvds yeah but that content it, it got loads of views because there wasn't a lot of content online yeah and 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 after sort of the space of two or three years federal as a brand grew substantially and uh yeah it was really really good fun to help out and, and that gave me a lot of confidence yeah to, to sort of do my own thing and but not only that there was lots of lots of projects i did over the years and and yeah when the opportunity came up to start tool order i knew that i'd had a fair bit of experience yeah again it's that thing you kind of got to the point where you'd accrued the experience and you were like do it myself yeah and then and then like you, you asked about did did the idea to to do the youtube channel come as part of that and it was yeah like i think sometimes as a company it's good to be a little bit disruptive yeah and Definitely. a lot of the BMX companies were still apl- um, exploring the same sort of routes of marketing where they just make a DVD, they send the riders abroad, they make a DVD and they put it out. And I really liked the fact that the, there was this growing sort of um, thing happening on YouTube where where kids that weren't involved, they didn't have sponsors or anything, they could they would go out and film their own videos and they they... They were developing these huge sort of um, followings, and they were just kids. They 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 weren't pro. They, yeah. You know, and and that was a strange thing for BMX to see. You know, that 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 these kids that weren't they they hadn't qualified for this role. Can't be they, given permission. Yeah, they, they didn't yeah. deserve these followers. Yeah. But but they did. They they'd gone out there and worked hard and made content and put it online, and people liked it. And while it felt like while the rest of the BMX world was busy 
continuing to make DVDs, these kids were um, gathering these huge followings just by going out and having fun. Yeah. And not worrying about the rules. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I and I and I like that. I like that disruptive sort of. Um, I should do the same. Like I, I like I like doing things a little bit differently. And, and I also at the time, like I said to you earlier, I really started to enjoy documenting. I like. I've yeah. Been on, I've been on lots of BMX trips over the years, but I'd never gotten a chance to to have to produce content in the way I wanted to. It was always the the film were doing it, and I wanted to have a go. You know. Right. So how how has that been? Because you you got a, what. How many subscribers? Like a hundred thousand? It's a lot, right? Yeah, I, and the views are high consistently. But you've obviously built up to that. So how was that? Did you? Because I'm imagining that you approached it in the same way, quite methodically. What can we learn? How can we make it better? How can we? So how was that? Because yeah. you know, it's one thing just banging a video on YouTube in it, but to to get it to the point where you've got it, it's like yeah, it's, it takes you, a lot of work and insight, basically. Well, you imagine if you start. If you start a company, a BMX company, you know, most companies have got have got like incredible pro riders that that promote their brand. And I I knew I couldn't have that because I didn't have the money to pay riders. So I did think, okay, so how can I how can I promote it? You know, so I ended up thinking, okay, let's just sponsor normal people, normal kids, and 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 go out and, and document us having fun. And so yeah, we started the channel. And that that was the, the idea is just to go out and promote BMX and have fun and and I thought you know what we'll probably get um, a little following and if we have a little following that's fine yeah you know yeah and, yeah and we'll grow we'll Thousand grow steadily fans and all that yeah and then I, like I said we spent probably a year or two making videos of us going out and having fun and we were, we were getting sort of two three thousand views and we had we had a really cool little following of people that were like you know lots of comments saying we love this this content keep it up we want more we want more and then one day i i really thought really carefully about um how can i how can i get a friend of mine was telling me you need a viral hit you got you gotta go viral and I, and I, yeah and I was, I was like why do i i didn't i didn't really understand what he mean, meant by that i was like why well you like, are danny mccaskill yeah yeah but so i was like how do you get a viral hit and then sort of lots of meetings with Red Bull over the years have taught you you know how to get lots of people viewing your content and and so the one time I actually went out and I really really tried to to make a video that would go viral yeah and it did go viral it did we got four million views on it and it was so much fun to film and edit that video we'll come up with the concept go out film edit it and put it online and then the next day to wake up and see the views just literally just Dig, 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 just like going up massively. It was such a good feeling. What was the formula? I don't know if you've watched the video, but there's a video I'll on my put, channel. I'll, I'll put a link in, but explain for the for people. Haven't seen so it. my thinking was, okay, so when you put out content, the first five seconds have to engage the audience, the audience instantly, and so unlike with podcasts, as people that listen to this yeah, all know, this is long before. <laughs> so I thought, okay, Me how can I, how can I engage the audience within the first five seconds emotionally to want to watch a 10 minute long video? Yeah. So I went to an incredible looking spot, which was a huge sound dish. It was used in World War II to detect enemy um, planes coming over. The idea was that this huge concrete dish would pick up the vibrations yeah they did didn't they They were basically to capture the sound weren't yeah, they? And, yeah and they look incredible visually incredible to look at and i'd ridden them over the years a few times to film for video parts and so that day i thought you know what i'm going to go to that one of those radar dishes and we're going to ride it with all our friends as a day out 
I'm document the whole thing. But the first scene in the video has to be because I knew there was a a, a a stretch of water you had to cross cross to get to it. So I was like, okay. So the first scene needs to be a shot of. This is weird for people, some people to understand, but it has the, to be my face. Yeah. And in the background, there has to be the sound dish. Yeah. And then I have to say within the first five to ten seconds that we've got to cross a river to get to it. Because then as a viewer, you're instantly like, oh, my God, like, how are they going to do that? How are they going to do that? Yeah. And then and once you've got that, then you've kind of got something. And, uh, and, I, and, and I think people, there's something also interesting about someone, I know many people don't like it, but there's something interesting about a guy pointing a camera at his face, especially at that time, because it it's a n new thing to do. And why is he why is he talking to the camera like this? And it it's quite um, engaging straight away. Like, did that you, anyway. were you fine with it? Did you or did it take you a while to to get your head around that? I've just kind of been doing little interviews and talking to camera for years, just by, by being on Red Bull. I've done lots of like media stuff like that, so I was a little bit more used to it than than someone just going straight into it cold so yeah, yeah. but yeah it's, it's, it's it takes practice well it's a role though isn't it basically mm. you know it's it's not it is real and it and your stuff is obviously very real but it, it is a it is a role like you know yeah you wouldn't do it in front of your mates in the pub but it's it's like it, for that thing it's fine isn't yeah, it yeah and if you're trying to tell a story and it's quite it's quite fun to do to try and tell a story and then to get home and piece it together in in a way that you know the viewer is going to find interesting and yeah because you edit as well don't you and you yeah. put it all together so you're yeah, it's storytelling basically yeah and there's there's a, there, there is an art to it and I've actually done done a course with Red Bull recently and it's called a storytelling academy where they teach you okay there is only a certain amount of stories in the world which all films sort yeah, of adopt yeah all adhere to and, yeah. you, and then you get into three act structure and all that don't you exactly, and you kind of yeah. realise that oh hang on there's like these beats and these minutes and these yeah emotional hooks and exactly and all this kind of stuff and that's why some riders in the core are very against sort of the word vlog you know video <laughs> logging your day and, and and I disagree with that because I I think it's it, there is a place for it. It's, it, it. It takes a lot of creativity in some respects to do it. I agree. It can seem very narcissistic at times. Yeah, it can seem contrived, but it's like you say, it's, a, it's about adapting, isn't it? But it's yeah, and, and I, I just enjoy doing it. And and and, but but also, if it is narcissistic, ultimately, you, our jobs as a sponsored athlete is a little bit uh, narcissistic in a way. To post every day about yourself on Instagram is a little bit narcissistic, yeah, isn't it? it? It's like. Sometimes I, I I laugh in a warm-hearted way at at BMX, and I and I think of like what we do. We just every day we're posting about ourselves and what tricks we are doing on our bicycles, and look <laughs> at us, look at us. It's, it's incredibly narcissistic. Yeah, you you need to be aware of that. I think. Yeah, and and you can laugh at it in a warm-hearted way. Yeah. So how do you feel about? the the kind of like you mentioned it earlier the the demise of modern you know the traditional media should I say especially in in action sports and BMX you know, like Ride UK recently Ride US as well like what you know it's it's changing massively mm. but we are losing those old traditional outlets a little bit which we grew up with and yeah. I know, and I know had a big influence on you in the same way that they had an influence on everybody of, of the older generation do you think do you think it's just inevitable or do you think it's something that we should be trying to keep hold of yeah i think it's incredibly sad because there's a lot of people that have worked hard to to sort of maintain those media outlets and 
but ultimately yeah change is change and you have to adapt and um yeah i don't like to see that happen but i think ultimately something will end up coming and taking that that place at the same time it, it, it it's a little bit sad to see that okay um google now is the con is the people the people you know it's google and instagram now pretty much it is isn't it like yeah. a lot of pro riders sort of various sort of yeah they they use instagram every day and and that has to have had a, I, I remember thinking actually when um instagram bought bought out videos format you know when they first started brought that around i was thinking wow this is yeah that's this that. changes everything yeah yeah basically changes everything and a lot of them just didn't really adapt i don't think a lot of those traditional outlets i think they, i think they really struggled i mean my background was is obviously more snowboarding and and surf but you could see with some of some of those titles really struggled with that mm. change when it became about content and it became about again that word again how you adapt mm. you know some of them did it really well i think but a lot of them really didn't and you kind of looked at it and you thought mm, well well you've not got anywhere else to go really you know which is a shame but i kind of agree with you i think new things will fill it won't they yeah it had its place and then it was incredible while it lasted but if you ask a kid you know a nine-year-old kid at the skate park today if, if he's happy with the fact that he can see any pro rider he wants yeah, exactly. on youtube well, and doesn't have to pay for it very worth remembering <laughs> yeah it, it sucks in many ways but in, in some ways it's, it's good it's yeah maybe you're right maybe it's a bit of old man nostalgia because certainly when i was a kid the idea that you could watch any clip in the world you know on a device that you held in your hand would have been pretty fucking wicked yeah. um so you mentioned red bull earlier obviously got a big big relationship with them got to talk about walls really because that that was the last big thing that you did for them, right? Or yeah, missed? yeah. So, and that was what two years ago. Yeah. So, how you, how you feeling about that when you look back on it now, with a bit of, bit of distance? Yeah, I have fond memories of that. It was it was um, it was a huge huge project, and it took up a lot of my bandwidth, if you like. I was obsessed with it, absolutely obsessed with it, and. Um, and uh two it, years right it took a long time took yeah. a long time and i learned a lot about myself and 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 it's it's great now to to see that it's actually that, that all of that was for a good cause it's because it, it's been successful you know so yeah um yeah it's m my most successful project ever so yeah i'm it's, i'm proud of it you know where'd the idea come from it's, that's an interesting question because I I often try and look at where the idea comes. I'm sure from. you've been asked that question before. Yeah, and 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 it's obviously you know where does an idea come from? Ideas aren't just they didn't it didn't definitely didn't just come from my head. It's a, a a lot a combination of lots of things, and I do thank Red Bull for this one because they like I've said to you they um they get us together once a year for to really try and sort of ask us you know how can how can we help you progress your sport and stuff yeah, like that it's and a big big old question isn't that yeah and then and it made me think it made me really think outside the box and you know i'd been going to these sort of um sessions with them for like three years before i came up with the idea for walls but danny mccaskill was definitely a part of it i watched i, I looked at his videos and i was like why did they go viral what yeah how you know and he spoke to people that don't 
understand our sports. Why, when, why do you think it was while we're talking about it? Because I've thought about that a lot as well. Because it, it, in a way, it's quite inexplicable how massive that was, you know, when you, but I ended up thinking, well, basically everyone understands what a bike is. So it's like, so, so you, you get out harder as if you're, you know, if, mm. if you look at snowboarding and you get an ordinary punter and you say, basically like no honestly that's impressive because it's really hard like someone's like yeah they don't get that but everyone's in a bike so like, that's what i put it down to in the end just a bit like everyone's got a, a way of understanding how mind-blowing what he does actually is yeah and, that, and that's what red Bull say to you there's like how can you convey what you're doing like in an accessible way yeah so if you imagine if you if you took members of the general public to a skate park and we're riding all these ramps and stuff it's going to look incredible but there's no context no. for them if you took that skate park and you put it next to a car then suddenly they're like oh i get it like that car's like that tall and i'm this tall and he's doing a back of that double decker bus next to yeah, it yeah yeah totally yeah, yeah. well yeah but, <laughs> but it's the that, that's the thing though, isn't it that's the context yeah and i remember danny mccaskill's first edit it went viral you know multiple millions of views and and if you look at that edit and i did at the time when i was trying to figure out how can i get one like like that you know and it, yeah and uh he did he 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 was incredible riding but i really liked the way it was shot there was there was met shots of the members of public like watching and he yeah. included them and he used landmarks and i just became really interested in that kind of stuff and and so when i came up with the idea of walls um actually got the idea of of the method 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 the word methodology, methodology um from a red bull contest i went to in paris which was like gap into a wall and riding down it and i thought okay i'd like to do that on street like and i thought i could jump off of something high on street and ride down a building yeah and i instantly thought of car parks yeah yeah and, th and then there you go there's your context yeah and, and your accessibility yeah because yeah because I've showed people the last shot in it and everybody's like, don't matter who they are. <laughs> and they're like, fucking hell. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So did it change from the, that initial conception to, to what it became? Did it? Because it, look, it looked to me, and I've watched the behind the scenes thing, which is great. And I, I really recommend everybody listen to this, watches it actually, because it's a really brilliant insight into the realities of what it takes to put something like this together but it looked like it really evolved and became something different as, as it went on yeah yeah you're right um at first it was a small gap to a wall and i thought okay we'll, we'll take like the same size ramps to different gaps and i thought i'd find lots of them but ultimately i couldn't find smaller gaps so i had to practice these huge gaps and then right. it grew it grew and i and i and i almost learned a new technique of riding throughout the making of it and uh yeah and then we found that the spot like like you speak of the last spot yeah in croydon it's and, in croydon right yeah and it was too big it was too big and but we couldn't find one that was that was slightly smaller and it was the right. only one we had to work with so i became obsessed with it we must have shit yourself let's be frank i mean was it scary yeah that's a really daft question but you know it's funny people say to you you must have big balls you, you you're you know you're you're not scared are you i was fucking terrified no i bet you were and that's why i want to ask the question because you look at that and i thought and i don't care how experienced you are or how and obviously you've invented that you know you you're the one that's thought of that but it looks scary i was terrified of it for 
four months yeah so how did you build up to it did you was it just a mental thing of of making yourself we tried to simulate it in the warehouse we had we tried to practice the movement and try to try to do the, the the distance but ultimately it was we were trying something that we didn't know what was going to happen yeah i was landing there's no way we could simulate the actual size of it so you got well, at some point you just got to do it right you yeah gotta. and then for me it was a big mental thing just every day i was like why are you doing this like and and the strange thing is is you have to commit to doing it and then go it's not like usually when you go street riding you get to a rail and you're like right i'm scared but you know i'm gonna do it now but th- this was like i had to plan it months in advance to to get the filmers and the photographers and the ramps all there and I had to practice for it and all oh, there's money been invested and time yeah. and there's a lot of you know it's a big it's a big deal compared to doing a handrail isn't it? you know yeah and i remember thinking i remember thinking i could die doing this but i remember being so obsessed with it and i believed in it so much and i and i and i all i could think about was that photograph from the bottom the one that was actually used for the cover and that's all I could think about and, and I knew how cool it would look and I became obsessed obsessed with it and I to the point where I was I was like I could die doing this it was weird almost like accepted that that could happen how many did you do on the day I tried it twice right yeah. and then you addressed it on YouTube but you you got some shit <laughs> as well how did you feel about that yeah i can understand i mean i didn't pull it ultimately yeah I crashed so so what people felt it wasn't legit because you you still showed it yeah people don't that like classic that, do that classic action sports yeah. you didn't land it, it doesn't yeah, count. you didn't pull it yeah. yeah and yeah in many ways they're right but i didn't on the day i did not care yeah. <laughs> i was i was almost like on the day it was like i survived and we got an incredible image and and what happened happened you know i can't change that I tried my very best for it took months and months and months on the day and on the day we learned that it pretty much was impossible. Yeah. I don't I couldn't have ridden down that much fur and pulled it. But I didn't know that before I tried it. I had to had to try it to to know that. And Yeah, and in a way it's new territory so I don't know. I'm an outsider obviously, but for me it just felt like it was why would you not document that really, you know? Yeah, I, I I really I really enjoy documenting things as that and telling the truth. Like this is how it happened. Okay, like and I think you know in a conventional BMX video part, they might go to the same spot for three days trying to pull something, and eventually they'll pull it, and then you'll see the the only part you see in the video is the time they pulled it. Yeah, well, that, it's again, it's the old school, that, you know, way, isn't it? Film, film, film put a part out with the with what you landed and, yeah, and pretend it's real that's you know? not real that's that's movie making that's, yeah that's putting in a fake it's reality same, it's the same for all of them skating snowboarding yeah. surfing it's the same that's but, that's the model traditionally isn't it let's yeah. say and, and then uh, that's i kind of like telling the truth a little bit more when i make a video i like I, it's it's a little bit scary to put your going back to some of my vlogs um i like the put, way you're still using it yeah it's brilliant if i show a video of myself falling off on a very basic trick the viewer is quite interested in that but for another pro rider it's terrifying to put yourself crashing basic tricks because you're sponsored you're paid to be you're supposedly good and if you're crashing basic tricks 
kind of looks doesn't make you look great but well it's, it's you're showing vulnerability yeah you're opening yourself up yeah for criticism because yet yeah, again traditionally people don't want that out there do they no and i i there's, there's some of my videos where i'm doing the most basic tricks and falling off and 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 at times i thought god if red bull see this are they gonna like <laughs> you know second guess why this wants to me but i'm like it's just how it is like i'm not the best rider in the world i'm not like yeah <laughs> you can't pretend i am i'm not yeah but i think that's why it's popular i think that's why people respond to it right because it because it is honest yeah i think so i think so i'm not gonna there's no way i can compete with the riders you know going out and doing the best video parts these days there's no way i can do that no i can't i mean so i just i can i can film me going out and riding with my friends and having fun i can do that but i can't be the best <laughs> you know yeah but you found your own thing which is what's great and you're making it work for you yeah, basically yeah i enjoy it yeah so you're probably not going to tell me but what what's next i'm sure you've like we said earlier you've always got a project so what's have you got some on the horizon um I have many sort of ideas to for content with Tall Order, my bike company, and lots of ambition with that. And I'm and I'm really enjoying that, doing the whole thing and learning every day. And and as far as uh, Red Bull projects, I am I am I'm actually involved in another project similar to Walls at the moment. So, yeah, yeah. So all, there's a lot of pressure. All to be revealed. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's um. The first time I did it was exciting because I was very, I, I knew that I was trying, because it, it was my idea and it was something new and it was like, I was like really looking forward to showing people this, this, this idea. But the second time round is, um, it's harder to be motivated by something when you, when you've, when you've sort of achieved what you wanted to do with the first one. And that was a funny thing about the first one. Um, my friend that helped me, Joe, the guy that helped build the ramps, I said to him, I was like, this video is going to go viral. Like this idea, this is it. We're going to, it's going to be huge. And some of my other friends laughed at me. Like, right. no, it's, no, it's not. Like, really? Yeah, it's not. And then we, me and my friend Joe were like, it's going to be on Lad Bible. People are going to go, who's this nutcase? <laughs> and it's so funny because it did. Yeah, of course it did. But that was exciting for me at the time. And um, yeah, I'm not as excited about a video going viral anymore because I know that I don't know is it a creative thing then that you're getting out of it because yeah. it, it seems like from talking you evolve a lot your motivation changes a lot from mm. what you get out of things do you know what I mean like you it's almost like you finish a project and you're like okay done that what's next yeah I think a lot of people must be able to relate to that is you get bored of something once you've done it and it's hard to stay motivated by things do you watch old stuff because that's something I've noticed from people. Like do you, once, you know, you get so immersed in something, you know, look at walls, two years, like, you know, mm. terrified yourself, every, all the emotional involvement with that. And then it's done. And then a lot, of, from speaking to people doing this, a lot of the time people are always like, yeah, I never watched it again. You know, just like when did the next thing? And yeah. then threw themselves into that kind of. Yeah, I don't really watch watch it really. I actually don't like watching it at all i didn't like the way the way yeah you saw the faults yeah you, you, you're always hypercritical of your own stuff and um so you like to move on to the next thing yeah i like to move on and, and, and so the next to, challenge yeah and so to revisit it in many ways i am excited to, to revisit it because there's lots of unfinished things i'd like to do there was i have a lot more resources with this next one yeah uh with the first one i was 
I was very much alone. Red Bull really didn't know how to react to it because right. it, it was sort of, it felt at the time like I was running off on this w with my weird idea and my athlete manager at the time didn't really know how to help. I don't think he believed in it really. Really? But I believed in it. I right. was like, no, this is, I believed in it so much. My athlete manager changed and my new athlete manager, I asked him as a, almost an incentive, not not for a, for a monetary incentive as such, but I said to him, if this reaches if this hits millions, can I can can I, can we put it into my contract that there's a bonus for that? And, you back yourself. And it wasn't a lot of, it wasn't a huge um, monetary bonus, but it was more that to, to it was more for my sort of psychological to keep, to keep, to motivation. Yeah, I was, I was like, yeah, I want to say put that, it in black and white. Yeah, put it in black and white, yeah, and, yeah. and it did. And and I think he said. I think he didn't really have the budget. He was like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll put it in. But, you know, and I was yeah, like, because right. it's not going to, is it? And yeah. I was like, it's not going to go to millions. But if it does, let's say that I'll receive that. Smart though, isn't it? Because you're challenging yourself. You're saying like, right, well, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. Kind of literally. Yeah. You have to believe as well. I believed. I was like, this is going to be huge. And and I, like I said, when, when when you're obsessed with something, it almost, yeah, it does pay off doesn't it because you're so much energy goes into it yeah it was tiring for me that project because it was constantly in my mind and you know that's well you said you, the phrase you used earlier was emotional bandwidth yeah it took up a lot it's a good one that yeah because it because it definitely becomes all consuming mm. i imagine that type of thing yeah like, like i said to you that on, on the day the day of that i did the croydon gap after i tried it twice and i didn't pull it but the relief was so heavy that I felt sick. I I, I nearly vomited because I was so wow. I'd been waiting months for that moment, and and it was over. Yeah, it's you a know? big release. And I could and I knew I could never not do it. I was obsessed with it, and really I should have not tried that gap that day. If you know you, your mum wouldn't let you do that, <laughs> it's not good for you. Like I would not want yeah, my son to do. I bet do you didn't take your mum there. <laughs> I, was, that's, that's, I felt a lot of guilt with with the people that I, that love me in my life. I about that you know i was like god i don't want them to yeah they must trust you though right my Talk. mom hates what i do does she yeah she's never liked it because well, i don't blame just, her because she's just scared basically yeah she's she's always said to me she's never supported me in bmx she's always said i wish you just have a normal like really safe job. So yeah. she's never got to the point where she's been like actually i was wrong kind of thing She's she's proud, but she loves Tall Order. She loves the fact that I'm involved in the business side of it. Now yeah, because she sees she that sees I can, an end. Yeah, <laughs> stop her. She's seen me in hospital. I've spent a lot of time in hospitals over my yeah over the years, and a lot of she's, damaged myself a lot and broken bones. And she's always and I can relate. To, I can relate yeah, to that yeah, now. Of I course. People yeah. ask me about my son. You know, do you want him to get into BMX? And I say, I hope he does not. Yeah, no way. Account. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah right i don't want to see him get hurt no of course of course but yeah that's funny because it's in never, never really ask people that but it is interesting because obviously what you do is you know comes with levels of risk it's interesting to hear you say that you, you feel guilt about that because I, I bet when you were a kid you didn't give a fuck right yeah i i, I on in the build-up to the walls gap the croydon one i was i felt guilty when i was when i was hanging around with my girlfriend and my mum. i was like it's not fair really i'm about to risk my life did they address it with you did anyone bring it up i remember my girlfriend would say stuff like you're not doing 
doing that one are you or something like that you know you're not doing anything dangerous are you and that's when you feel guilt when you say no 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 it's fine have you seen yeah. free solo the alex Honnold film do you know, do you know that story no he uh soloed this climb in uh, yosemite on el capitan i think it's three thousand foot no ropes anyway it's an amazing film and uh, there's a scene in that where you know if he falls he's dead obviously and um there's a scene in that with his girlfriend where she tries to talk him out of it basically it's really interesting because it's this conversation mm. but they directly address it and he's yeah. a bit like well see who i am it's what i do you know yeah. sorry yeah <laughs> it's, it's yeah it's it's incredibly selfish in some ways but has that changed then your attitude to it as you've got older this this sense of guilt that you're talking about uh i th- See, once 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 you get an idea like like I had with walls, nothing could stop me. Yeah, I was a, a man obsessed, and so if I say to you now I've changed because I've got a son, I don't know because next year there could be something new that just takes over my mindset, and I've suddenly become this selfish, just obsessed with that that goal again. And it's but it sounds like what you get out of these things evolves as well. So that's why I'm really interesting to see how it develops because you definitely seem like somebody that is looking for something different as you as you get older and you know you, it's it's not always about the same thing it's not always about just getting the same result same outcome you want to you want to change you want to progress so it'd be interesting to see how fatherhood kind of affects that really yeah it definitely does it's already affected it like, yeah you know you care deeply about your son and stuff like that but yeah, my goals now, are, you know, I'd love to see the business grow. and Well, exactly. It's a whole other yeah. arena, isn't it, that? And and then give back to BMX, sponsor more riders and hopefully see them, you know, progress and, and go on the same path. And, and hopefully they they will give back and, and grow grow the sport, you know. Is that a, a big lot. part of it for you then, like supporting the scene? Because you, from what I know of you, when you were a kid, you know, you had a lot of older role models, you had a lot of older mentors around, a lot of older riders that presumably, you know, you mentioned Ian and Stu earlier, you know, that presumably gave you, you know, helped you along. And it looks like you try to do the same thing with Tall Order to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah, I definitely had a lot of help. And, and yeah, if, just by giving someone an old bike or mentoring them a bit or supporting them it goes such a long way you know that person could then go on to have if i do that to one of my younger riders they could go on to have a career like mine and see the world and then and and come up with with projects and start a brand and then support younger riders again so yeah it's, it's definitely hugely important to to give back i think yeah so you're enjoying that aspect of it yeah i'm enjoying it and and anyone in in any of these sports action sports will say that they're that they started out being so influenced by some of the older guys yeah and there's, there's always a couple of people i think that are really important that yeah. that, that show you the the path definitely right so you is you brought up in hastings crowest is is like your local spot when you were a kid yeah when you look back on it now them years like what what, what are the good memories because you sound like you were just somebody that was like obsessed basically from when you when you first found BMX when you were 11 and you know realized that world existed 
Yeah, like I said to you earlier, it felt the first time I ever saw a ramp was it felt like I discovered this this kind of secret society because I'd never seen a, a photo of a ramp, never seen a ramp on TV or in a magazine, and suddenly I I was stood at the bottom of this ten foot tall huge metal half pipe and I was and I saw kids riding it and it was just like the most shocking thing I'd ever seen and so yeah it, as soon as I saw that my life changed forever and and I spent my whole childhood riding three miles to that ramp every day of my life because I was obsessed with it and I and I and it and it was it was countercultural. it felt like it was its own thing and no one knew about it and I liked that about it you know it was it was like it was like you go to school and no one else had done what you'd done at the weekend. Yeah. You know, they'd all, I don't know what they'd done, but they it felt like we were doing something different. Yeah, well, it's an identity thing at that age, isn't it? Mm. You know, you're looking for a way of saying, you know, this is this is me, this is who I am in the world. Isn't yeah. It? And that's a big part of it as well when you get into these things, isn't it, at that age? Yeah, that's what it gives you as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, and did those guys really help you then? Those kind of older, older peers? like people like Ian Morris and Stuart did they were they taking you on trips were they you know doing all that stuff like getting you in the van and like taking you away and all that yeah like, like, I mean like Stu Dawkins is my business partner today and he's he was the first person I ever saw ride a BMX you know I was I was up in we spent Sundays in in a in an industrial state because it was it was sort of shut on Sundays and we'd go up there to mess around and I bumped into Stu Dawkins and Ian Morris filming themselves grinding handrails on bikes and I was just like absolutely like what what is going on like yeah. I'd never even knew this existed and there's two grown men like like yeah on bikes on bikes having Doing more that. fun than we're having yeah and yeah we thought we were the young kids having the most fun in the world and and yeah that and and now yeah Stu's my business partner and um I've done a lot of fun projects with Stu, Stu over the years and yeah, he's helped out a lot. And so hopefully I can give back in the same way he's done. Yeah. I chatted to Ian when I said we were having a conversation. What did he ask me to ask you? <laughs> he said, ask him about the trip where we took him away and nicknamed him The Experiment. <laughs> What's all that about? Um, I was 16 years old and it was the first time I'd ever been invited on a on a trip away, like an international trip. And uh, yeah, we, we jumped in the back of a van that, that was with a bunch of older guys. They were all getting drunk. And I, I don't think I'd ever even drunk before. Brilliant. <laughs> and so I was there experimenting. <laughs> and we drove all the way to Madrid, went to the world championships down there. And yeah, it was just an experience. I'd, I think I was literally <coughs> straight out of my GCSEs on this trip. Yeah. I remember puking all over Amos, one of the guys on the trip and everyone found it so you know hugely entertaining that the, the young kid had been sick over one of the yeah. like, older guys and right a passage in yeah. it all that yeah um so we were chatting earlier what well, it's a good story see you you were just in mary poppins i'm gonna i want to ask you about that <laughs> so how you've done a lot of media stuff you've done a lot of ads and all that but this sounds like you're explaining like you know big deal right how long were you on set for yeah you get you sort of as a pro rider, you kind of get asked to do a lot of random things over yeah. the years, you know. I'm sure um, you've done it all. Yeah, yeah you do. As, as a, you, you know, I did Top Gear and I've been on Blue Peter and all these weird and weird things that you get asked to do over the years. But then a few years ago, we got asked to do uh, Mary Poppins. 
and uh yeah it was crazy it was a um massive uh disney film and we were on the film for six months rehearsing and how long's the scene i haven't actually seen the movie but right apparently it's a few minutes long it's and mad in it and you see glimpses of us and and we we knew it was going to be like that we, we knew we, six months so it's just it's just it gives you like such an indication of the scale of it, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, and the amount of money they spend on that kind of stuff. But it was a really cool experience. Very, very peculiar world, the world of movie making. And uh, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. But, yeah, yeah, it's different. Yeah. So that was basically going up to the studio, was it, and sort of being involved in that whole process. Did you have a like presumably they were coming to you for the creative end as well like how it's going to look and yeah so so we were on the stunt team so we we're yeah. working with stunt men and but also we were sort of working with a cho choreographers and dancers and it was it was sort of really finding out how we can mix their world with our world but also the stunt guys don't didn't know anything about bmx really but but they're you know stunt men they get paid to be stunt men yeah is that quite interesting? It's interesting, yeah, because exchange they, of ideas. Because ultimately, they couldn't. It was, as a stuntman, you can do everything. You can throw yourself through a, a burning, you know, building and yeah. roll a car and all this stuff. But when it comes suddenly, suddenly the the the, the director of the movie wants some tricks on bikes. Stuntman's not going to learn that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't learn that in. It's yeah. going to take you ten years to learn this stuff. So <laughs> suddenly, we're there at the sort of behest of us and so we, in some cases there was a few clashes because of egos so really they wanted they wanted to say what how things were going to happen my dear, do you know i'm surprised that's just like mainstream people the not, film, the not film, getting it isn't it really? the film business is as you might as you know it's it's very sort of driven by ego isn't it yeah and it's very sort of a hi hierarchical you're 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 ordering no, the no place yeah it's in many ways it's it's, uh, it's not enjoyable good experience though yeah and then and then the 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 lead actors are treated like absolute royalty yeah everyone else treated like yeah <laughs> yeah it's weird to see yeah wow we're on an hour so i got one more basically before we go and get a bit of lunch what ambitions have you got left with it all you've done a lot over the years got the company got your riding got the youtube stuff got a lot going on a lot of opportunities as well still what what do you think what's left i want to sort of first of all i want my son to see the world like when when i recently had a baby and like suddenly life starts over again for you it feels like you're so excited by everything like showing him things he's never seen like the sea and stuff like that and so that's that's reignited my love for for life in many ways hello being joined by paddy all right paddy <laughs> and all right mate and yeah i'm i'm really ambitious paddy's with a dog obviously is this your your he's not actually my dog he's my dog's best mate though so he's probably looking for my he's dog lovely. yeah um yeah I'm, I'm ambitious still and it's, i'm 36 years old now so i'm not getting any younger um um i don't want want to particularly be throwing myself off buildings and bikes forever but there's a few things i'd like to continue to do i, I want to carry on riding i love riding yeah it's, it's sort of what keeps me sane well you'll always do that though yeah right? yeah and yeah i don't i i'm 
I'm interested in in life and and where it takes me. I'm not. I, I don't. I don't have a specific route. I don't even know whether tall order is going to be something I'm going to do forever. At this point, it's not. It's not making huge amounts of money. So you know, it, but it, it, there is potential there. Yeah. So it's just a case of take every day as it comes. Work hard. I I, I want to. I like to work hard. Yeah, it sounds like you've got a real good work ethic. Do you get a lot? Is that quite linked to your self-esteem? You know, we started off earlier talking about routines and setting yourself up for the day and all that. Do you do you need to work hard to to feel like to feel good about yourself? I do. I I I, I don't feel happy at the end of the day if I've not um, not done something productive, and that's, that's in some ways that's quite annoying to have yeah because you just i like, can empathize with sometimes that. you can't relax sometimes that, you just want to turn it off right yeah switch it off there's more to sit life on the sofa there's more to life than than chasing i, I the, bet you can't sit on the sofa i can i can sit on the sofa but i can also feel guilty about it yeah no which, that's that's what i'm getting at yeah you know my wife's like the opposite she she just like for the rest of the weekends it's like i'm gonna do fuck all you know i'm gonna watch <laughs> gonna lie on you know you know what i mean and i just can't mm. do it really because if because i've got a to-do list running around my head or yeah you know i've got stuff that i know i need to be doing and i'm reconciled with it now but it is a bit annoying you know yeah. sometimes i do and it, you just struck me that i imagine you have a similar thing from the conversation that we've had yeah you know? and then uh, when does that stop you know I don't these know. to-do lists aren't really necessarily sometimes pushing you further down down the path or whatever that means but they're for some reason it makes you feel better well they're, an or, they're, they're about order aren't they they're yeah. about organisation they're about feeling like you're, you're in control that's yeah. what I think anyway you know like writing a list it's all like you know there's that Brian Eno thing if in doubt tidy the studio do you know what I mean it's like it, it's just yeah. something to do isn't it to make you feel like you're in control of the situation yeah you're right busy hands are happy hands aren't yeah, they yeah exactly I think it's funny do you know how healthy it is sometimes no, but how do you how do you stop that? Do you meditate? You know, it's like yeah, go for a run. Yeah, go yeah. for I, I go for a swim, and then what happens then is you go for a run, and then you're you're motivated, and then you come back, and then you're probably going to do more work. But you feel better about yourself. You do, you which do. is kind of the the goal, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. Is that I kind of asked you a similar thing earlier, but have you learned to have you learned to acknowledge that and? cope with it better as you got older did it take you a while to understand that sort of trait i have but at the same time when now i'm running the business there's always stuff to be doing with the yeah, business that's not going to help that doesn't help <laughs> that. so that you know yeah that's the problem when you run a business there's you you could always be busy you could have three to do lists. yeah exactly yeah that's not so that makes it difficult to switch off but yeah i'm um lots of lots of things i'd like to get done and um the main point is it's is it's good fun yeah when i'm doing these things it's not it's it comes not across yeah. like it is yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not hating like work the daily routine so no it doesn't, really doesn't look like that no. i mean it looks like and it looks like you have a good sense of when to change as well which is I think is another important thing you know knowing when to mix it up knowing when to do something new and you know, even the fact that you said, "Well, I don't even know if I'll be doing tall order for the rest of my life." That's pretty quite healthy, though, because you're not, you know, you're not, you know, you're not setting your clock by it. You're just like, "Well, it's fun now, and 
like I'm enjoying the work of it and yeah. see where it leads, you know? Yeah, maybe it would be detrimental if you if you if you just say, Okay, this is final, you know, this is all all I'm gonna be doing and I can't, I'm excited for the the possibility of change and if one good. day if one day I decide to go down a completely different route then so be it but um yeah it's it's about understanding your own sort of capabilities isn't it yeah at I the think moment so. I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing I'm learning a lot every day and uh, I have great people working with me and 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 yeah it's so enjoyable so enjoyable well thanks for doing this man no problem should we go and write another to-do list yeah i need a wee <laughs> <laughs> me too so there you go that was my episode of baz keep hope you enjoyed it must say feels good to have broken my uh, bmx duck on the show please do get in touch with me via instagram i'm at we look sideways or podcast at we are looking sideways.com to let me know who else in the bmx world you think i should speak to now obviously me and baz covered a lot of ground there so if your interest has been piqued by anything in particular we discussed get yourself over to my little corner of the internet real estate www.wearelookingsideways.com to look at the show notes as usual there are links to everything we discuss so you can dig deeper and learn more about Baz's world and the world of BMX if you don't already. Speaking of links, I'm getting better at these segues, I think. While you're over at my website, consider signing up for my newsletter, which I send out once a week and which usually features the five most interesting things I think are worth sharing each week. Seems to be going down pretty well, that one. Sign up via the form on my newsletter, but make sure you click the confirmation link in your email to actually get the emails every week. So huge thanks to everybody for the brilliant response to the Jeremy Jones interview. Had a feeling that one would go down well. Great to get all the messages and feedback from everybody. And a lot of you seem to get a lot out of it, which I was really grateful for. I did also get some rather more intriguing feedback from a couple of people. One from somebody who's drawing attention to the fact that there's been a lot of snowboarding interviews recently and suggesting that was a bit of a problem. Now, this does raise its head every now and again. And it's something that I do think about, like how to sequence the shows, if you like. In the end, I've just decided to put them out as I do them because I come back to the real issue here, which is that I'm essentially doing this whole thing for free in my spare time and fitting it around work. And as my work at the moment involves a lot of snowboard industry stuff, it is winter after all. It's perhaps inevitable that this is going to be the case. Of course, if this thing was pulling in an income and I could spend my whole time doing it, then obviously I'd be able to balance it out much more effectively. But it isn't, so I can't. I just come back to something I used to say a lot in the early days, which I haven't really said for a while now. If you want to support the show and get more of what you're enjoying, you just got to help me spread the word. Follow me on social, share the episodes, tell people about it, tag the guests in, buy a t-shirt from the store, post a picture of you wearing it. Seems like a small thing. It all really helps. Which brings me nicely to my next point, actually, California. So I'm heading over in a few weeks. I've spent the last uh, couple of weeks chat book guests and i've got to be honest it's pretty slow going right now one of the things people are always always saying to me about the podcast is wow mate that must be a lot of work and uh yeah it is and one of the main bits of work is booking the guests which is something i also do myself and it's pretty it's pretty low level a lot of the time i mean i went to australia the other year i got lane beatsy on the show by literally emailing her off the web form on a website when i was in manly and asking her she didn't know me from Adam because she's really nice she said yeah we did the interview she enjoyed it she emailed Tom Carroll said he should do it and so it went on so I've been doing the same thing with California obviously I've been pulling in the contacts that I've got big up Don Brown actually who's been amazing um, really tried to help me out Todd Richards as well has really been trying to help me out very much appreciated 
but a lot of it's just emailing people and contacting them and you know just saying all right how are you doing i'm coming to california and i've had a few breakthroughs but you know i'm still very much at the bottom of the heap over there i mean i get it, it's the states i mean they've never heard of me and you know what then they go to my instagram page and they're like all right guys got under four thousand followers why the fuck should i go on this show um so basically i've got work to do which is why i'm going obviously but this brings me to the point that i just made earlier you lot the great looking sideways listening public can really help firstly follow me on instagram for a start i mean there's there's tens of thousands of people listening to this thing every month and i've got about 3600 instagram followers which is piss poor in it really but in all seriousness you can help like i say by spreading the word tag them in the comments the people that you want on the show share the podcast get it out there it's free for you to do that it'll really really help me and that way when i get those countless messages from people saying stuff like hey mate have you ever thought about getting jerry lopez on the podcast well obviously i have but i might actually have a chance of sorting it out then if if jerry lopez has actually heard of the podcast because i mean it's early days with the podcast i've not even done 100 episodes yet if i'm going to hit those names i'm going to need you lot the early adopters i believe you call in the marketing world to help me out so yeah that's my plea at the end of this episode christ i've definitely jumped the shark um i actually had somebody a friend of mine send me a picture of a snowboarder jumping over a shark recently um which made me laugh I'm referring to the nameless audience as you lot, which is something surely that only twats do. So I'm off for a shower and then I'm off back to the motherland Manchester for the weekend. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you later. Nice one. <laughs>